Why are you dressed like a lumberjack again? Uh, you know, I'm going for, I'm actually going for a look called Lumberjack Rave. So it's, um, this is my lumberjack shirt, which on the back, it has a, it has a Sasquatch on it and mm -hmm. it says believe. And I wore this to a concert that I went to on Friday where I saw Sasquatch and I wore my big old belt buckle from wild goose with a Sasquatch riding a goose did you so cut, but did you cut down any trees today i did not cut down any trees but it's only 7 30 so there's time plenty of time get out there grace come on time Thank is you. of the essence yeah all right enough about your tree cutting business let's get this going okay Woo. you ready i'm ready okay grace a week from now a whole year's worth of the running mullet podcast will have been done but first, let's focus on tonight with episode 51. I'm Eric Idiot Renner Kosek. And I'm Grace Hot Pants Langheim. Eric is all business in the front of the pack, and I am all about the party in the back. That's right, business up front and party in the back. Together, we are the Running Mullet. And we are going to talk about every aspect of running, the podium, to the DNF, and everything in between. If you are a runner, this show is for you. Now sit back, get out your foam roller, and enjoy the party. Hey. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, anybody who's listening whether you listen live or you listen the next day or weeks from now i'm just here's like something that is i don't know if it's good to know oh but i just want to let okay. i just want to let you know oh boy. if if you ever see me in a race or eric for that matter and you say the words hey by the way love the podcast it's gonna make me smile for the rest of the race so I had a great race yesterday. I was at Squirrely Tail Twail One. And some and this woman who was, we were kind of going back and forth a little bit. She said that to me and she um, was very nice and I didn't get her name and congratulations on your finish. And she said that to me and it made my day. I know. I, I swear these numbers on our screen and the numbers on Spotify and the numbers on Apple, like they're liars because there's people... I don't know where these people watch a show and we don't know about it. And it's, it's lovely. I totally agree. Like, it's like, wow. It was, was so cool. Yeah. It, it was super nice. Yeah. How was your weekend? My weekend was pretty good. Pretty laid back. We got, you got a lot more snow than we did, I think, but. No, we got nothing. Oh, well, whatever. I don't know. We're really, you're got nothing. Do you know where I live? No, we have, we got like uh, maybe half an inch. No. Maybe. Well, anyway, we had, I'm going to say we got three inches Friday night, but it was the most powdery. I don't know, man. I've never run in such difficult snow Saturday morning. Becky and I went for a run up on the idiot land and did some stuff 10 miles, but it was frustrating. I don't like, we needed spikes, the big spikes, mm, but yeah, you know, I don't like wearing them. They make my feet hurt after a while. <clears throat> wow. It was, it was really bad, but yeah. So that was kind of like a wake-up call of some sort or i guess yeah uh, so, but then uh yeah that was it for saturday i kind of pouted the rest of the day 
my hip, my hips even hurt from that run. Like yeah. it was just craziness slipping all over. And then we learned it had an indoor meet Sunday, kick butt, got a new PR for the 5K. Mm -hmm. so, pretty awesome. Um, yeah, that's my weekend. So you okay, did. So I do want to back up to this thing that you glazed over. Yeah. Back it on up, please. Yeah. Go ahead. Beep. You said, thank you. <laughs> thank you for the beeps. Beep. So you said idiot land. Yeah. Idiot. Idiot land is a, is a, is a place. Is this like Neverland? Well, yeah. I mean, everybody likes to visit idiot land when they come up, you know, the general vicinity up across the road on the mountainside and there's other trails. So it's kind of like, kind of like Candyland, but idiotville, you sometimes you see idiots wow. up there. Like uh -huh. I missed Albert and Callie that yes, or Saturday, they come later because they sleep in and mm -hmm. you know, that they're kidless. So they do their own thing. Don't get me started yeah. on that. They're smart. Um, yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, like it's, I, I call it idiot land. There's at any point in time, you'll find idiots up there just on the trails. I didn't know there was a name for it. I like it. Yeah. I need to make a sign, I guess, huh? Yeah, you should. So hey, let me be back up a little bit more Go <laughs> to the beginning here. So for this, so let me, do you think next week ends? It's a year next week. Yeah. And is that the end of our first season? Do we call it that a season? Do I do so? I'm making Joe's. Will it be season two after that? It's something we need to think about. Not only that is, is it time for my most amazing rhyming to come to an end? Ooh, and like come out that's that mm, might hurt some feelings. I could dance at the beginning. I can. I don't know, shave my body. I, there's all kinds of weird things I could do instead of rhyming. I, you know, I love the rhyming. I think they're okay. entertaining. I think they're fun. Do I really don't want to see you dance or, and I also don't want to see your body hair. So let's okay. stick with rhyming. I guess I'll continue rhyming on, on whatever. Okay. I'll just keep doing the hard work and we'll keep this ball rolling. Yeah. Um, what about, let me tell, I really want to hear about your weekend though. So you went to this 12, this, this, uh, this really. speech impediment, 12, what, 12 ways, ways mm -hmm. you win, will we hard at the 12 ways? I did. Yeah. So I, I was kind of in my head, I was like, well, I, I don't know how I'm going to feel because I just did the hundred K last weekend, but if I'm feeling it, then, you know, if I, if I happen to get a course PR, then that would be super fun. Um, I wasn't really banking on it though, so, but I felt good. It was very muddy. I heard um, it was muddy. It was icy. Um, there was ice on the course and I did go the wrong way for a little bit. Cause I, I saw my friend Heather and I was so excited to see her <laughs> and then I, I missed a turn. There was a good, like 10, 15 of us that missed a turn. And, uh, and I pulled off a course PR by one minute, one oh, nice. One minute, I was very excited for that. I was very happy. Yeah, and certainly that's a Scott Newcomer's race. You know Scott Newcomer. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's been up in Idiotville. He has. It, <laughs> now it's Idiotville. I thought it was Idiotland. Both. It's whatever you want it to be. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Well, that's that. Anything else you did this weekend? You're in State College right now. Is that what you said? Yeah, I'm in State College right now. Um, saw Sack Squatch on Friday. Saturday went hiking with my friend Lacey. Um, you know, it was a it was really went to the gym. It was a good weekend. Nice, nice. 
Yeah. We'll keep kicking about what what's next on your race schedule. Well, not a race next, but Lacey and I are doing another 12 hour walk. I'm another super one. excited. Yeah, we had we like really enjoyed it last time. So we were like, eh, let's do it again. <laughs> so we found a weekend and and we're gonna walk for a long time. Is that a closed group or is, is there any way that somebody can join that if if they wanted to maybe join? Or is this like a you know a prestigious two man two woman club? Just asking for a friend. Uh, we, you know, if, if there was company that would totally be fine. It's, um, just something that the two of us schedule. If you can find us, hmm. then you are welcome. All right. Good to know. All right. Let's get rolling, moving on with this show. What do you say? I am super excited because we're having Jordan back on the show and yes, his second time on the show, the first time he was on, he was talking about his um, awesome run at Eastern States. And now he is back to talk about his Pennsylvania uh, Pennsylvania FKT attempt on the Appalachian Trail. And again, FKT is stands for Fastest Known Time. Uh, if you're interested more in FKTs and all the rules related to them, because it's not a race, uh, you can go to FKT. Uh, fastestknowntime.com. There's also a group called Women Who FKT um, if you're interested, if you're interested in that side of it. But Jordan just came off of his <laughs> attempt for the Pennsylvania AT section and is here to tell us all about it. Yeah, yes. He is he is our first second timer. So he, he he's gonna have the, the first opportunity to be a three-peater at some point this this coming year. Which is pretty exciting, Jordan. That's that's prestigious, right there. Maybe in June. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> anyway, um, so let's get let's see. Welcome back, Jordan. Thank you for jo joining us again. You went for the FKT on the Appalachian Trail in PA. What was that? Two weeks ago now or three? Uh, I got off last Saturday. So what? Ten days ago? Nine yeah. days ago? All right, so we have a lot of time tonight. Not a ton, but enough where I want to hear I want to hear some of the details from what it sounded like. So you you're going, you know, you're trying to set this fastest time on on that section in PA and that was going totally self-supported, right? Unsupported. Unsupported, sorry. Unsupported, carrying everything on your person and beating the previous time of what was it? 4 days and yeah, four days, two hours, 49 minutes, and I forget the seconds. I think it's 34. Hey, that's important. <laughs> so the first day, from what it sounded like, and you you did a lot of awesome posting and keeping those who wanted to follow you updated, and you did a phenomenal job at that, I must add. Like, it, it's exciting when, when I was following you. You know, it's not like I had to go, like, hours and days without hearing anything. You You do a good job of feeling like I'm with you, I guess I should say. Mm -hmm. So that, that was keep, do, keep doing that stuff. Yeah. I'm planning on doing that, uh, in the future, but your first day didn't really go as planned, right? Is that the best way of putting it? Uh, yeah, didn't go to plan whatsoever. So I've been using hiking poles since 2011 and I broke my first one ever on, uh, this FKT attempt. At 7.30 p.m., seven hours into day one, 
I was on a kind of not so rocky stretch, slight downhill, running at a nice pace. Next thing I know, I'm picking myself off the ground. Uh, fortunately, I didn't hit any rocks with my body. I did hit my pinky quite hard. It's still not quite right. I don't think I broke it, but I definitely messed it up a little bit. So I was concerned that I broke my pinky and I was just a uh, punch to the gut type feeling when I saw I broke my pole. I snapped my black diamond carbon pole, fixed length pole in half about 10 inches below the tip. So it was pretty much useless. And I, I want to add like, I, so I, I'm not, I'm trying to do better at using poles. I haven't been using them as long as you have. But I, I feel like it's an advantage to use them, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at it, and I enjoy using them. But I bought a, I bought a pair of uh, Leckies, 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 whatever you Lakey. say it. Leaky. 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 Thanks, Grace. Um, when, I, when I ran, can't, yeah. So I bought the most expensive ones because that's what I do, and they were the lightest, and they were phenomenal, and they were, you couldn't even tell they were, they were strapped in when you weren't using them. But anyway, I, I used them in Canada and then I came home and I used them for Call of the Wilds 50K, right? I figured, mm -hmm. well, I'll practice 50K to see if I can, you know, go fat, use them right and, and go faster and all that. But anyway, like the second climb of the day or yeah, of, of the race going up a valley and we all know what the trails are like in Eastern States course and Call of the Wilds stuff, kind of rocky and stuff. But I, I put it right down in between two rocks and kept going forward and it took very little pressure to snap done yeah. $150 out the window. Yeah. So I feel you like, and it's, it, I agree. It's too easy to, to do it with these carbon fiber ones. Yep. So the one I just showed you was a uh, aluminum. Uh, I've mm -hmm. always used aluminum and I've recently tried to shave weight in every possible area. So I went with carbon fiber and yeah back to aluminum I and mean, i need something that's not going to break since mm -hmm. I'm so dependent on it from particularly on the appalachian trail with how rocky it is you need it for stability you need it to keep yourself off the ground when you're you know on an angled rock every mm -hmm. other step you need it going down the steep hills and you need it going up the steep hills so i was in yeah. rough shape not having one of my poles that i'm very dependent on yeah, I think especially, um, you know, for anybody listening who typically trail runs, just remember, this is with a pack as well. So just a few weeks ago when I did um, just two days on the Appalachian Trail, I, I attempted in the morning, I went about, I was like, well, I'll, I'll go for a while without my poles and then I'll get them out later on. I went a whole 10 minutes without my poles and then I got them out <laughs> because yeah. between the snow and the rocks and having a pack on, it's the weight distribution is so different and you can move much more efficiently with poles than you can without poles. And so it's, I couldn't imagine doing that without two poles. Yeah. Uh, it would just be incredibly difficult. Yeah, I had a moment of, um, am I even going to stay out here? It was mm -hmm. seven hours in. I'm like, what am I doing? This is yeah. this is probably, for me, one of my top three pieces of gear. And now yeah. it's broken. Did you, try to, did you try to MacGyver it at all? Like, come on, like instantly in your head, you got to be like, how do I fix this? Yeah, I mean, I had an idea right away. If I had 
a steel rod that I could splice it together and duct tape it close, I'd be game on again. But mm-hmm. I didn't have something rigid enough that would withstand the sheer stress of, you know, taking another impact. Yeah. And pretty much everything I thought of wasn't feasible in the field. So yeah. after spending probably two hours of trying to come up with repairs, I shifted my mental energy to just adapting to only having one pole instead of trying to fix the problem. Yeah. Now, let me back up really quick. Were you going south to north or north to south? I was going southbound. Okay. So you were going southbound. And for anybody listening, FKTs typically, it doesn't matter which direction you're going unless you're going the full length of a couple of trails like the Pacific Crest Trail um, the, the full Appalachian trail does have both a northbound and a southbound FKT, but the Pennsylvania section of the AT, I believe it's, it's ambiguous. Like it doesn't matter if you're going northbound or southbound, right. the FKT is the FKT. So you were going southbound. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Where does, so where's the Northern terminus? Uh, the Delaware water gap. So the state okay. lines literally on interstate 80, there's a pedestrian bridge on the South side of the highway. So okay. it's right on the uh, concrete. Okay. And there's then is it, is it rockier up there and then gets gradually less rocky or the reverse? The, in my opinion, the worst stretch for the worst type of rocks is from a little bit south of Delaware Water Gap to Wind uh, Gap. It's okay. these little rocks that you can't avoid and they're not actually anchored in the ground and they're all angled and they move when you step and there's so many leaves uh, in that area. Yeah. It's just very challenging to move quickly and not injure yourself in the process. Yeah, those are baby head rocks. Yeah, except they 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 move in more strange ways than those round baby head rocks. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. It, they're so, hard to describe. <laughs> they're like lopsided baby head rocks. Yeah. Yeah. They're no fun. But yeah, to answer your question, the rocks are certainly worse than Northern half of Pennsylvania. Okay. So once you get, a lot of people say, once you get to Duncannon, which is, you know, just North of Harrisburg, mm-hmm. that the rocks get better. Really, you have to go around Cove Mountain and just north of Carlisle before they really get a lot better. Then you have the farmland stretch going through Carlisle. Then you have the, you know, southern Pennsylvania section, which there's still rocks, but it's more like a normal trail that you would find in any other state as far as rocks go. Okay. Okay, so you're starting out with at least the most technical um, part of the trail. You're doing that first. Yeah. Okay, pole breaks, back to regularly scheduled programming. What's what's next? Uh, at that point, I just tried to shift my mindset to trying to find a positive out of it. I had watched uh, Joe, oh, geez, I always say his last name wrong, McConaughey, String Bean. Mm-hmm. I watched his, I think it was his long trail FKT, and he was talking about how laughter gives you energy. And I was trying to find any sort of positive out of the situation. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start laughing every time I think about this stupid poll and try and make a positive out of it and give myself some energy and see how that works. Nice. That's 
that's kind of where my head went and I just tried to ride with it. Um, the rest of that night was kind of just pushing through that, trying to let it go and not dwell over it, which I struggled with for a little bit. Uh, it was re reminded of the fact that I only had one pole going down the very steep, sketchy descent into Lehigh Gap at the Lehigh mm -hmm. River. I was being very careful because I've done that section multiple times and I know it's dangerous and it's particularly dangerous at 1230 in the morning when you're tired. And I took a step on a rock that had been worn smooth from people traveling over it. And I went down, I went down hard. I whacked my left elbow, which it still hurts. And that probably wouldn't have happened if I didn't have a broken pole because my one pole that I did have slipped out. The second one probably would have held, mm -hmm. but it was useless. So at that point, I figured I'd just make it across the Lehigh River and kind of mentally reset at George Outerbridge Shelter and get a good night's sleep and just start fresh the next day. Yeah. So, now, how many miles in are you at this point? Uh when I got to George Outerbridge, that was 37 miles, I believe. Nice. Did you, okay. did you find a, did you try the old, old fashioned find a stick and use that as a pole? I thought about it. I just you didn't kept trying. No, I, I mean, I tried, I picked up a bunch of sticks and then I was wasting so much time trying to find a good stick. Yeah. So I just <laughs> gave up on that too. It's a tough time of year. There's a lot of rotted wood out there too. And then if you lean on it too hard, then that's going to break. Now, yeah. um, we didn't, uh, I still got to back this up because I'm trying to wrap my head around everything. So what is, can you tell us your pack weight? Um, and typically pack weight is without food and water and with food and water, right? So can you yeah. tell us your pack weight? So my standard base weight for my setup was 10.4 pounds, but I made some last minute changes. I added an extra power bank and I added something else that was just a little bit of weight. So it was probably closer to 11 pounds. And with my food and water for the first day, it was 22.6 pounds. That's super light. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so 22 pounds, and you do what smart backpackers do, <laughs> hikers do, trail runners do, when things aren't quite going right, um, one, you eat, and then two, you sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you decided, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in for the night. Okay. Yeah. All I right. got lucky. There's historically been a homeless guy there at that shelter kind of taking up residence. So getting there in the middle of the night around 1.30, I didn't know what I was going to encounter. I was kind of mm -hmm. mentally prepared to keep going because I didn't want to, you know, disturb someone sleeping there and deal with whatever. So I got lucky from that perspective. I had the shelter to myself and it was beautiful sunrise the next morning. Got an extra hours of sleep because I... In addition to being mentally wrecked, I was in a lot of physical pain already. I had some strange pains that started in my right hip flexor early on, and I kept stretching that and kind of pushing on it, working it out as I was moving. That eventually went away. 
And then I had a pain in my upper left calf, which I think was the start of my second worst problem on trail with my left knee pain. That was strange. That started like 15 miles in on day one. And a lot of times when I get those pains around that distance, they last for maybe 30 miles and then they're gone for good. Like the hip flexor pain was, but this left calf knee pain never really went away. Even the very mm. last day when I was still out there, I was still dealing with it. Hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the hard things is you got nothing else to think about either or to yeah. <laughs> Like it's, it's, uh, not only is it physical pain and mental like rumination, but you got nothing else to do. So you're just going to think about it. There's other things to think about, but still. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on, but we, since we have such a good question coming in, let, let's go with it. Erica Lubera says, how much of your attempt was running and how much was more power hiking? And, and which is a great question. Yeah. Phenomenal question. In fact, it drove me to buy a new pack because my ultimate direction fast pack 40, which I got specifically to run the slight downhills and downhills. It just didn't work out like that. When I was actually out there, there was probably 5% of the 115 miles that I actually was running. And most of it was just speed hiking so right. mm -hmm. i went with a new pack purchase that would give me better distribution of the weight and kind of take away some of the running uh mobility but the reality is i've run in a 65 liter gregory pack with a <laughs> bear canister on the top for <laughs> miles and miles so i can make do with a 35 liter pack with a waist belt yeah now what did you switch to so got a Hyperlite Mountain Gear Waypoint 35. It's a new pack okay. that they just came out with. Yeah, I I just did a very similar move. I switched to a pack that I think distributes the weight better. Um, and it looks bulkier, but I feel more comfortable, if that makes sense. Yeah. I can move better. Yeah, my lower back and traps were the two most significant pain locations yep. for the first day and a half. Mm -hmm. And then it's surprising, like when the, well, not surprising. I know this because it's happened before, but you get other pain that hurts way worse. And then the initial pain just goes away. Yeah. Yeah. I put my pack on on Sunday when I got home and I was like, holy crap, my traps hurt so bad. <laughs> I was like carrying this pack for so long, but I didn't yeah. notice it after a while. But yeah, it's going to help with that. Just distribute the weight off of my upper body solely and get it on my lower body a little bit more. It'll help my lower back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now, um, which we will get to that because while you were out there, I feel this pain while you were out there, you were kind of already planning for, for the next trip. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So, um, okay, so how long did you sleep? And then talk us through the, the next day. Yeah, so... I got up at 6 a.m. on Thursday morning of, you know, a week and a half ago and packed up pretty quick, got moving pretty quick. I felt really good for probably half of that day. Um, it started off not as rocky as I had 
gotten through the night prior and overall i was moving pretty decent clip uh there's some stretches as you get closer to um hawk mountain where the train is just kind of brutal again and mm -hmm. even prior to that at a bake oven knob area there's a lot of just angled rock they have to hop from rock to rock but it was moving pretty quick through all of it and then once i got to dance pulpit pinnacle pulpit rock it's a lot of kind of more like roads as you know in terms of uh appalachian trail roads go there's still mm -hmm. some rock but it's more like road running than it is uh trail running with all the rock that i had just been through so made it to there i was feeling really good uh it was around sunset that i got to pulpit rock and i was just feeling great pushing towards port clinton and mm -hmm. i don't know i hit that wall as i was coming down into port clinton a lot of crappy rock with leaves everywhere i was given a heads up that there was a lot of leaves down in that area by a friend um a couple days prior and there certainly were uh just made for a lot of slow going and it was getting a lot colder that night than i was anticipating so that was impacting me mentally mm. so i'm working my way down into port clinton i knew the descent was going to be sketchy there's always leaves that just kind of pile in on the trail that side cut in and there's all these angled rocks and even though I was going super slow and careful, I went down again. So I fell a third time. <laughs> Get down into Port Clinton. I don't even remember what time it was. It was probably 8.30, 9 o'clock. I just remember being cold and tired. And I knew I had to climb up, which is probably one of, if not the steepest climbs on the Appalachian Trail in Pennsylvania going south out of port clinton up onto the ridge and that's where the leg destroyer trail i was is. just gonna ask that if that's where leg destroyer yeah. is that yeah, so oh man that, that so it's pretty close to the same um steepness going up the appalachian trail yeah and then once you get up you're greeted by a horrendous rock so it's like your reward is flat rock with there's a lot of blowdown up in that particular area too which yeah the trail maintainers i think it was um blue mountain club they had done a lot of recent trail work uh the areas that i had gone through earlier in day two so that was a welcome surprise because i had been on those trails lately and there's a lot of mm -hmm. blowdown i saw the same thing um when i was around peter's mountain like peter's mountain there were a ton of blowdowns and it just made me go so much slower than I anticipated. So not only were there snow drifts up to my knees and I was breaking snow and there were blowdowns. So I couldn't always tell where the trail was. <laughs> and, but they, you could tell they were up there too and they were clearing stuff. There were just so many of them, man, it's this time and this time of year, there's just not as many people on the trail. So it doesn't mm -hmm. make sense to clear every blowdown, you know, the very next day, it's a bunch of volunteers are doing the best they can. But right. uh, yeah, those blowdowns really slow you down. They do. So I was super pumped to see that they had gotten out so early in the season. Mm -hmm. to get stuff cleared up. But yeah, I 
got through the worst of the rocks day two and i found a nice spot uh right up in the state game lands area under some hemlock trees and just set up bivy i was trying to get to um jeez forget the name of the shelter eagle something um it's like five miles south of port clinton eagle's nest uh that was my goal to get there at least and i just had nothing left in me i felt so wrecked again it was weird every night i felt absolutely trashed physically i felt pretty decent in the morning i recovered enough overnight but yeah once again totally crashed i decided to sleep an extra two hours for that reason my objective was to get up at sunrise each day and i just didn't travel late enough into the night to minimize how much time I was sleeping. And I knew I wasn't going to really benefit from waking up a couple hours before sunrise based on how physically trashed I was. I knew that two extra hours would help me recover and ultimately give me a better chance of moving farther. Yeah. In my long term. Uh, it's such a balance between like, how do you make that decision between do I sleep more knowing that I can maybe move a little faster or do I, you know, push it and go a little more tired knowing that I can go further? I don't know. What, how do you make that determination? What's, what do you err on? Do you err on a little more sleep or a little less sleep? Well, in reality, I wanted to do less sleep than I had been doing, mm -hmm. particularly those first two nights. It just, I wasn't feeling it though. Physically, I was so beat up. I don't know if I didn't have enough training with the heavy load and my body was fatiguing in different ways mm -hmm. than I was used to. You know, I do a mm -hmm. lot of running, but I'm not always carrying that heavy ultimate direction fast pack. I mean, I was carrying it with some friends on training runs for the last three months. But in reality, I would have benefited if I had more time using that pack. And also, I simulated the food weight by carrying eight pounds of rice. So I just had rice in my bear bag. Now I'm going to put even more than eight pounds. I'm going to go out with 12 pounds. So I'm going to overweight myself. Not to the point that I'm going to injure myself before I get out there, but I'm going to give my body a little bit more of that strain before I'm out on trail. So I know what to expect better. Yeah. And it's wild, you know, how much can change with chafing and hot spots and just general soreness and your shoulders, your back between going out there practicing on a four hour and going out and having that thing on your back for 12 hours. I mean, yeah. it's a huge was, difference. I was moving on average 15 and a half hours, 16 hours a day with that. And mm -hmm. yeah, I had some long runs with it. I did 40 miles out and back, um, back in November with it, but still I just, I wasn't used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Now questions are coming in through the chat. I want to ask those. I have other questions as well. Um, so let's, Let's start with this. With the learnings from this attempt, what will you change for your next attempt? 
So one of the big things I knew I was going to struggle with the most was the time of the year and the daylight. As much as I run at night, I don't absolutely love it. And when the sun sets so early and you're running by headlight at 5.50 already, that's a lot of hours to be running into the night to get to that 2 a.m. target of when you're going to stop. So my target was run until 2, sleep four hours, and then pack up and get moving at sunrise, which would have been right around six this time of year. Mm-hmm. So planning on going out again in May. So gain four and a half hours of daylight from yeah. when I was out there then to, you know, say mid-May, it's four and a half hours extra. So that's something I can change based on when I physically go out again. I had PTO that I needed to use by the end of March. So I was really just planning all along to go out the very first good weather window that popped up. Mm-hmm. I saw this period of time two weeks out and I had been watching it and ultimately I decided I was going to go for it, even though I had never once planned on going out even before March. Like I was telling people March, April, and here I was going out in February. So I knew <laughs> I was setting myself up for even more of a challenge at that point. The temperatures, although they were manageable with my gear, it was mentally straining knowing that I was barely staying warm enough with all but one extra or one layer on. Like I didn't have my puffy on, Mm -hmm. but I had everything else on and I'm barely staying warm enough moving. That, That gets to you after a while when you're, you know, just tired and cold and it's dark and you just want to sleep. Yeah. And if you... If you wear too much and then you stop and you start sweating, that sweat is then going to cool you down. And so you really can't stop moving. Temperature regulation is so difficult this time of year and it makes packing more difficult because of that. It does. So yeah, Um, talked about some of the other stuff, the new pack, mm -hmm. the pole that I had shown, got aluminum pole. So my pole doesn't break. Um, I had toyed around with the idea of starting the day in the dark. That way I'm in the dark with like more energy, fresh mindset versus later in the day. But I just don't operate well like that ever. So I don't know why I even had that idea. I'm going to abort that idea next time. My goal is going to be four hours of sleep. And I wake up at sunrise. I know I will move mm-hmm. most efficient. Nice. So, so new pack, um, new poles, um, going along with your own body's circadian rhythm, mm-hmm. um, and and a uh, different time of year. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And he's got a new date set. Yeah, a new date set already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, another question. Go ahead. Um, other questions that came through: the pain that you felt in this compared to the pain that you felt in the blacklist races. So you <laughs> you did complete the blacklist in 2023, so you have some um, some good comparison. And I think um, I don't know. This is a really cool question, um, and would love to hear your perspective. So you did Heiner. You did. Um, World's End 100K, you did Eastern States 100 Miler and Black Forest 100K. So what's the comparison? Yeah, that was 
hard to compare because they're so different. Having having people to there to support you, whether it's moral support, physical support by giving you liquids, giving you food, helping you with your gear, helping you with injuries, just having someone to be with. It's a totally different dynamic than being out there all alone and making, you know, sure you don't die because you know if you fall and hit your head something bad could happen yeah. so i mean i need i'm the only one out there accountable for myself so i need to be super careful and make sure nothing bad happens to me i need mm -hmm. to keep myself hydrated so i have to constantly stop to filter water i have to have the correct mix i can't drink too much water versus electrolytes i was using tailwind that way i could get calories in also one of the days i had i had too much water and i was having um issues with it i was getting kind of blurred vision and lightheaded um yep. took a lot of thought to figure out what was wrong with me but i realized i had too much water and not enough electrolytes so i yep. fixed it but stuff like that you really need to be accountable for what's going on with your body and fix it because no one's out there to help you figure it out um eating, how many people did you see on the trail i saw probably around five people okay yeah i saw more people on saturday when i got off trail than i did the rest of the time yeah and just yeah. eating constantly constantly making sure I'm eating. That was the one thing that went really well. When I did the Standing Stone Trail uh, on supported FKT, I gave myself five options of food and somehow I muscled through that. I had 16 options of food this time and I never got bored of any of my food. I was just ravenously eating. I was almost eating too much of my food. I I went out with 10 pounds of food and I had eaten 5.24 pounds of food um, halfway through. So in hindsight, that's something I'm going to change. I'm going to bring a little extra food next mm -hmm. go around. Um, I have a spreadsheet that tracked how much of every food item I, I had out there and what the calories per ounce are so I can kind of strategically pack more of certain things and less of others. Now I, I want to ask about food really quickly. Cause I gen, I want to know for my own reasons, <laughs> I know a lot of people who hike bring dehydrated meals and I know that's to save on weight, but when you are fast packing, when you're trying to move quickly and be lightweight, for myself, I'm like, I don't know that I want to deal with all the work that's involved in rehydrating or cooking or any of that, because then, you you know, if you bring a stove, well, that's extra weight. So why don't I just bring things like some cliff bars and have a pocket full of candy? I don't know. Like, uh, what are your thoughts on food? And do you do the more on the side of, do you, fuel more on the side of hikers with more trail mix and dehydrated foods, or are you more on the side of um, trail runners with some bacon and fireball and candy? 
Uh, kind of a mix. I my go-to is Snickers. They're very dense in calories per weight. So had a lot of that. Reese's um, did have Cliff Bars, Lara Bars, Trail Mix. Uh, I had different goos just to get caffeine in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, ironically, those are not so dense in calories per weight. So mm-hmm. same with Tailwind. Those are on the lower side of um, calories per ounce. But in general, it was a lot of food that I could eat on the move. I never stopped to eat. The only time I was eating when I wasn't moving was when I was setting up camp, tearing down camp or filtering water. Otherwise I was never not moving, eating. I was name of the game was just keep moving. So everything I needed to do was done when I was moving, like charging stuff. I had battery pack in my fanny pack with cords coming out of it. And I had like, a headlamp, uh, other devices that needed charging strapped to my pack so I could just monitor it and get stuff charged on the go. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, more questions. <laughs> How do you mentally prepare for an upcoming attempt with the Suffer Fest so fresh in your mind? I feel like it's gone. The suffer part is already gone. I'm just so excited still. Like I never lost that excitement. I did not want to get off trail. Like day three, I literally was verbally making noise of discomfort with every step, but I Mm. didn't want to get off trail. I was just constantly trying to figure out ways to keep moving and stay out there. I still feel super excited about it i think if anything you know having the freshness of just how bad it actually hurt is just gonna help me and not give me that uh false sense of confidence i guess i'd say you know Mm -hmm. it's easy to sit at home when you're comfortable and say i can do xyz when you're out there dealing with the trail and the conditions that's when reality sets in so having it fresh in my mind will help me better prepare what i'll probably Mm -hmm. actually be able to accomplish out there and come up with the best game plan for what i know works for me i mean all along my goal was to complete the trail unsupported in the fastest time possible for me if i Mm -hmm. broke cal's impressive record that'd be incredible i don't I can't say with certainty that I have it in me, but I believe I do and I'm going to go for it. But bottom line, I just want to finish the trail in a fast time unsupported. Yeah. Nice. And and I think that's a, a good thing. I wanted to, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to point this out. Um, this is an FKT that is highly competitive. So there are some FKTs that, Uh, people don't attempt as often. Um, And then there are some that get attempts very frequently. You know, the Arizona Trail is one of them. The Pennsylvania section of the AT gets some heavy, heavy hitters going after this FKT. I know Anish had it for a bit there. Um, And so there are some very fast people 
doing this attempt. So you going after this, I mean, I think you can do it, one. Um, but I just want people to know how impressive it is to go after it because it's not, this attempt is not for the faint of heart. This is a, a really fast attempt and it's a competitive attempt. And and that's another danger is that somebody um, might beat it uh, yeah. b- between now and then. That's certainly possible. I mean, any given year, you got all these through hikers coming through that are just in incredible shape till the time they get to Pennsylvania. I mean, that's what Cal had done. He had gone Sobo from Katahdin, Maine, got to Pennsylvania and decided he was going to go after the FKT. He had done um, the Chantilly Trace Trail previously, so he knew what a long-distance FKT took Mm -hmm. to get done. Mm -hmm. But he was, you know, in great shape, had his system dialed down because he's been on trail day in, day out working with this gear yeah that's you know that's one thing it's like if you're not using that particular gear all the time you just can't develop that level of efficiency with it yeah like little things like setting up the bivy getting in and out of the bivy getting stuff packed up it takes time if you don't do it every day mm-hmm. you're just not going to be as efficient yeah that was one of the things that i found when i was on the horseshoe trail it's just like there's so many things that your crew does for you and you don't even realize it mm-hmm. <laughs> even if it's setting up a place to sleep it takes so much time when you're by yourself yeah <laughs> now from another the perspective of mm-hmm. this versus what i did last year mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't directly answer that question because i didn't know exactly how like there's times during black forest that I may have been in more severe pain than I was on this Appalachian Trail attempt, but I was in pain for a lot longer of a time at a pretty high degree when I was out there last week, week and a half ago. <laughs> and knowing how many miles I still had to do. Yeah. You know, when you have 100K. I mean, that's a long distance to begin with, but when you have 230 miles and you're already hurting, yeah. <laughs> it messes with you mentally. It makes it yeah. a little bit more difficult to find a way to push through that pain. Your little mm-hmm. tricks that worked at the 100K or 100 mile distance might not work as well. So that's yeah. one thing we need to work on and come up with solutions for. Because yeah, the pain so is going to go up. Even if you're even if you're like, oh, I'm targeting, you know, a a 30 minute mile versus an 18 minute mile. Um, Also it's, well, I've, I've got 15 hours to go versus I have three days left. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a big difference. (sighs) Um, Another question that came through, I know my answer to this. I'm very curious about your answer to this. Wouldn't early fall be a better season for an FKT? Uh, there's benefits to it, but in general, the trail's often drier and having reliable water sources on the Appalachian Trail is a huge factor. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be dropping off the ridge to get to lower elevation springs if I can avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, there's more humidity too that time of year. There's definitely benefits to the fall. Uh yeah. To me, I think 
early spring is the ideal time. The bugs aren't out as much and the humidity is a little bit lower. Temperatures can be comparable to the fall time. But to me, it's really the water source reliability. Yeah. I, I'm also going to say early spring and one of my big reasons why, um, and this is a big difference between, for me, the FKT and a race. So it, I would do a, an early fall race um, because the trails are marked by a person with flagging and they put up reflective flagging for nighttime well, there's no reflective flagging when you're when you're doing an FKT. You're just relying on the blazes, mm-hmm. and um, off by the time you hit late summer, the trails are way overgrown. So it depends on the trail, of course. Um, but I think early spring there's not as much overgrowth at that time, and for one, you can see the blazes easier in early spring, and then two, just that overgrowth like it makes it difficult to see where the trail goes and, and you cut up your legs, Eric, you know what that's like from doing an FKT in July. Um, Yeah. But I feel like the AT is probably pretty clear for all through hikers, isn't it? I'm, I'm not, I've never really been on the AT very much. There's spots that can grow in, but the trail maintainers for the trail clubs, they really do a phenomenal job during the heart of through hiker season, keeping it maintained very well. But, you know, stuff along the trail grows so fast. They mm-hmm. can't get out there. So yeah, there's, there's spots where you're brushing up against stuff, but compared to the horseshoe trail, which yeah. I've been on <laughs> summer, it's like, you can't see where the trail possibly could be. Cause it's so grown in sometimes. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. say that it gets that bad to the point that I would deviate not going for an FKT during that time of the year. Yeah. I think it does depend on the trail for sure. I'm never going to go for an FKT on the Appalachian. So (laughs) I'm usually on smaller trails like the horseshoe and on those smaller trails, like they, and you know, the horseshoe trail is not, it's primary usage is horses, not people. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's maintained. So it's just easier to navigate. I'm not spending as much time, like, oh, am I on the right trail if I'm on a section that I've never been on before? So for me, part of the benefit of an early spring, um, not only do you have that winter um, that winter runoff on all the creeks and the rivers, so you've got water, better water sources. Um, I think there's better visibility on the trail, less bugs, less humidity. So there's a yep. few reasons for myself as well. And then fall time is a great time to go race. Absolutely. So May it is then, huh? That's that is the goal, yeah. Nice. And you have a window of a couple weeks that you can handle it, looking at the weather, or are you locked into a certain week? I am not locked in at this point in time. I have the whole month of May open. So ideally, I'd do it earlier in May. Uh, my wife, Alicia, is going out on the Appalachian Trail again this year, Sobo from Katahdin. And I'm doing the 100 mile wilderness with her. So I don't want to be too banged up when I'm out there with her. So that's the objective early May. I like that time of year. It's still cool at night and, you know, well, you're starting to come out. You might not have the the exact date penciled in for that yet, but we'll have to pencil you in for shortly after (laughs) to be on again. 
and we don't want any uh any pole breaking stories any outkey <laughs> stories none of that this time stuff will go wrong it always does but yes hopefully, hopefully different stuff <laughs> something always goes wrong i was just talking to somebody about this yesterday things always go wrong it's all in how you handle it and what's your mindset going to be yeah. um and sometimes you just gotta force yourself to smile and laugh and hope that it <laughs> it will help turn things around now um just to wrap this up we already know what's next for you um uh what advice or um do you have to anybody out there or encouragement do you have for anybody out there who might be looking at an fkt for this year um, just go for it. Don't be afraid to not finish it. I mean, in my opinion, the only failure is not going for it. Uh, mentally prepare, physically prepare, come up with a solid plan that works for you. You know, share it with people or don't. Just go out there and push yourself. Uh, it's really an opportunity to learn so much more about you as a human and what makes you tick what makes you uh unique and you just have this experience that it's kind of hard to put into words it's different than a race because you're so self-dependent so yeah just try it yeah. it doesn't need to be a long distance either yeah i love that i love that because man if if you're not good friends with yourself yet, go do an FKT. You will spend a lot of time with yourself and you will, you will learn if you like yourself or not. You know, you, you get yeah. to spend a lot of time trying to make friends with yourself. So I appreciate the. Yeah, I do. Before we wrap this up, I do want to mm -hmm. express just how grateful I was for how much support I got from people, the idiot runner group, the uh, Valley Forge Hills and Friends group, um, Big Woods Running Club group. So many people had reached out to me during, after, and just offered support virtually, which is the only support I could accept. But it was way more support than I was anticipating. And mm -hmm. it was so awesome to experience that from this community that we have. And, you know, very grateful for it having good friends and family. Yeah, I'm sure you'll have all that support again come May. <laughs> yeah. I will. And we're we're thankful that you, you know, are open about sharing. Uh, you know, I, I did more of that on my last adventure. And it's weird when you're by yourself just talking to a phone. <laughs> <laughs> or sharing pictures or whatever. Um, but really on the other side of it, it is so cool to watch that adventure with you and feel like we're, we're in it, you know, yeah. we're, we're all on, we're all a team trying to get this done and we're cheering you on. So yeah. really appreciate you sharing everything. Absolutely. It was fun doing it. Definitely <laughs> be doing it again. And I'm also planning on, um, doing live tracking next time too. So nice. it'll be, a two dimensions to follow me cool instagram and live tracking awesome. thanks for being on we always appreciate it absolutely thank you eric thank and you, we we certainly look forward to having you on again after your next adventure and it better be completed adventure this time <laughs> i'll finish the trail if i can yeah just for us not no no one else just for grace and i <laughs>
Now nah, it's a cool story, and uh, you're you're right. I mean, it's all about getting out there and doing the hard things. That's what the whole idea of Idiot Runner was formed on, and you're a good good example of 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 what that is. Uh, yeah, keep doing the stupid shit. <laughs> doing stupid shit, but also making smart decisions. For a yep. while, I was pushing through pain that I didn't know if I should be, and being that my left knee is still not right, you know. I'm glad I got off when I got off and didn't keep pushing through. Right. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you just need to know when it's right to pull the plug. Yep. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Grace, you ready to wrap this up? Ready. What the heck are you doing this weekend, Grace? I told you I'm walking for 12 hours with my friend Lacey. Oh, that's this weekend? Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. What are you doing this weekend, Jordan? Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> I got him caught off guard. I got in some split boarding in the snow that we got on Saturday and a hike on Sunday. Maybe, uh, probably a hike on Sunday. Nice. Okay. What about you, Eric? What are you doing this weekend? Thanks for asking, Grace. You're so sweet. Um, I don't know. I'm hoping to get back to running and not feel my chest hurt every time I breathe. That's what I'm yeah, How's your ribs? Yeah, it's not great. Well, hopefully it'll be better by this weekend. All right. Yeah, no, no big plans. I don't think Lauren has a birthday party. So there's going to be a bunch of girls at my house. So yeah, I'm hoping to be out in the woods running. Okay. Yeah. You don't want to be at the birthday party? They might have birthday cake. Um. Yeah, I'll, they'll save a piece for me. <laughs> a bunch of 15 year olds running around. I'd, yeah. Yeah, that sounds super fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, next week is our one-year podcast anniversary. Is. Yeah, that's so there's going to be fireworks. There's going to be celebrity um, appearances. There's going wow. to be people <laughs> losing their clothes. It's going to be pure chaos. Whoa. I, yeah. oh, you, didn't, you didn't get that memo? <laughs> I did not get that memo. I didn't know that's what was happening. Yeah. I, you know, I might have plans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it'll be sure. I don't know what exactly we're doing yet, but we're. I'm positive we're going to make it a fun show. It's going to be good. It's going to be a fun show. We're going to talk about all the things that we love about Eric. So better be there. So it'll be like a probably thirty second show. Yep. We'll make it quick. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything else you got, Grace? That's it. Done. Right. Thanks everybody for joining in. We'll see you next week for the podcast anniversary. Whoop. See you. Bye. Have a good week. Later.